0: from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So last week to me was another amazing week on the road, but it is great to be back in my box. Great to be back in Cali. Great to be back talking about the greatness of one Patrick Mahomes and the greatness of one Andrew Ryad, aka Andrew Reed, and the greatness of the Kansas City Chiefs. Chief. No surprise. It's nothing new. These dudes are not going anywhere either. It's the best player, the best coach, arguably, and the best team, inarguably, in the NFL. And they went out and they proved it again last night. Not the prettiest win ever. Certainly not the most dramatic win ever because of, well, the ending, which I will get to. But they don't hand out Lombardi's for the prettiest win or the one that doesn't have the most dramatic ending. It's just about the last team standing. And the Chiefs were, once again, the last team standing, but only barely standing. Because even the biggest Patrick Mahomes believers were holding their breath when Dude limped into the halftime locker room. That high ankle sprain was reaggravated. Philadelphia led by 10, and it should have been more and they were looking essentially unstoppable at that point, especially on offense. Meanwhile, to that point, the KC defense could not get the hell off the field. Philly gave them a gift seven, and it had all the feelings and makings of a blowout, a tough spot for KC, tough spot for KCQB, and a tough spot for KC Fan and for KC Better. And most of all, a tough spot for me. I don't want to make it about me, but can I make it about me for a minute? It was a tough spot for me, not because I was on record as picking KC, but a tough spot for me because it had all the feelings of Chad Henney time. And I was trying to figure out how the hell I could sit up here the Monday after the Super Bowl without a single take or thought on the second half Because there was no way in hell I was going to spend one second watching a Chad Henney game. Any Chad Henney game. Much less a Chad Henney Super Bowl. But I should have known better. I should have remembered the miraculous healing powers of Patrick Mahomes. Should have remembered that the only thing more impressive than his ability to self-heal is his legendary toughness. I should have known because that's one of the biggest reasons I did take the point and I did bet Kansas City before the game. And if you listen to Jim Rums' Big Head Bets, you would have known that the head, James Kelly and I, both took KC. Just saying. Then the big questions were, how much was that longer halftime going to Jack with Patrick Sankle? And then how much tougher would it be for him to warm up and get loose with it? And then what kind of adjustment or adjustments were Andy Reid and Spaggs going to make because they were all in danger of losing yet another Super Bowl. And that would have been bad. That would have stuck to them. That would have damaged legacies. That would have been a bad thing. They were in danger of losing another one. And so they weren't. Because Mahomes and Andy Reid came out for the second half and reminded everybody exactly who they are. Once again, the best player in the game and arguably the best coach in the sport. Four drives, three TDs, a game-winning field goal. There was only one KC incompletion in the entire second half. The hell happened to that vaunted Philadelphia defense? Philly could barely even slow the Chiefs down. Where was that vaunted, historic, iconic, Ionic. legendary Philly D-line last night? The one that we talked about all week long. The one that accounted for 70 sacks this season. 70! But not even one last night. So now, to me, it would be a pretty good time to put some freaking respect on that KC offensive line, which was insulting how underappreciated that they were coming in and the way they played their asses off last night. It was one of the all-time great second-half performances in a Super Bowl. One of the all-time great second-half coaching masterclasses in Super Bowl history. And the Chiefs used that second half to straight-up rip that game from Philly. Because for most of the game, Philly was exactly who we thought they were. The best team 2 through 53 in the league. And as far as QB1, aside from him gift wrapping 7 to the Chiefs with that fumble, Jalen Hurts was playing his ass off too. Fact is, Philly was kicking KC's tail for much of the game. But, as my man Eric Wood, the former Buffalo Bills great said, he said it this morning, quote, Eagles outplayed Chiefs for a majority of the game, but NFL games truly come down to five or six key plays, and Chiefs made them. End of quote. Freaking true dat. Starting with that Nick Bolton scoop and score. Hey, Chiefs fan, say what you want about this dude, and I know some of you have an issue with this dude, but he came up huge. On the big stage for you last night, especially with that scoop and score. Hurts by himself in the backfield. Threat to run and throw. Crouches down. He wants to run it. A Oh, the ball's out.
1: He kicks the ball. It's picked up by Kansas City. They're going to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. A defensive score by Nick Bolton.
0: Chiefs radio. Listen, Jalen Hurts played an amazing game. He did. Jalen Hurts played an MVP-caliber game. He did. But that fumble right there was an unforced disaster. And it could not have taken a more perfect bounce right into Bolton's hands, and it could not have been a more perfect break for the Chiefs or a more critical seven in the end. Kansas City also got the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, and very nearly the first punt return TD in Super Bowl history, and they got it at a perfect time from a perfect guy. I mean, none other than... Kadarius Tony himself, of all people. 10.33 to go in the game. Sipas will punt. End
1: over end,
2: shorter punt. And Tony will take it low at the 35. Now cuts back to the right. He's got a wall set.
3: If he can get to the edge, they can need to block the punter. They do. Tony's at the 40, up the
1: sideline. At the 30, he's at the 20. Tony with the block, trying to stay in place down to the five yard line. Tony ran out of gas on a 65 yard punt return.
0: How about that, dude? Say what you want about him. A-R-F, enigmatic, never know. How about this guy putting up a tutty and a 65-yard punt return in that game? Essentially, they made that trade. They made that trade for specifically that last night. A third and a sixth. A third for the tutty, a sixth for the huge punt return. And what an unbelievable ROI on that deal. They made that trade for last night, and then they cashed that ticket. But the most surprising, most incredible, and most critical chunk play might have been the Mahomes scramble on that final possession. That one seemed impossible. But as we all know, Mahomes routinely makes the impossible look routine, and he did it again when he did this. Mahomes takes the snap. He's back. He's lucky. He starts to run. He's on his feet across the 30. He's at the 25, 20, diving down to the 18, Patrick
3: Mahomes. That is a killer with 242 left in regulation. Kysier White pulled him down, but that is Mahomes with a 25-yard run. Yeah, that is a killer.
0: And that, of course, is Eagles radio. That was a killer. That play right there says everything you need to know about that guy, about the dog that lives in that dude. You know, the jaded or bitter or Philly fan or Mahomes hater or somebody on the wrong side of the wrong bets might say, toughness? He pulled that toughness out of a needle. He hammered the spike. They tightened him up with something. Mahomes said, though, afterwards that he didn't take any painkillers. I don't know what he did or what he didn't do. I'm not saying he's not being truthful. I have no idea. I really don't know. I just know this he showed the hell up like the all-time great that he is and had to be on one leg again. And he got it done again. I don't care how he did it. No one ever questioned this dude's greatness. But now you have to say he's every bit as tough as he is great. And that's saying a hell of a lot because, well, when you look at him, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not the fastest guy. But he might be the toughest guy. That scramble, of course, set up the game-winning field goal. Well, the scramble and the holding call defensively on James Bradbury. And what did that do? Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So, this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead why old trapper because old trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire and old trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite i mean who wants dried out rough beef in a bag nobody it's like eating a shoe old trapper though is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors Old-fashioned, is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the clear view bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? That brought out all of the NFL is rigged people to enter their favorite conversation. This is the point where people start talking about the script. This is the point where the X-Files music drops. We start to talk about conspiracy theories, DeMar Hamlin lookalikes or clones. But there is no conspiracy here. There's really not even that much of a controversy here. Yes, the holding call did kind of suck. I'll say that. It effectively ended the game right there, right? It ended the game in the sense that it ran the clock out on Philly. However, let's be really clear about this. That holding call was not why Philadelphia lost that game. It just wasn't. They lost that game because they came out of halftime with a 10-point lead and then got curb stomped by that KC offense the entire second half. That's why they lost. They lost not because of a really annoying and controversial holding call at the end of the game. A controversial, annoying holding call, but not an egregious holding call. And by the way, actually, maybe the right call. But don't take my word for it. Listen to the guy who was flagged for the call. James Bradbury himself admitted it was the right call. Hold on it enough for that.
4: I mean, that's not up for my judgment, you know. I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course, you know, he's a ref, it's a big game, uh, and it was, it was it so? was a hold,
0: so they called it. I mean, wow, right? He just said it. It was a hold. I was hoping they'd let it go. I mean, hell, we all were hoping they would let it go. Nobody wanted that game to end with that. Also, there because it would have been the most incredible ending. And we didn't want anything taking away from an incredible game, especially the refs. And instead, you get one of the more anticlimactic endings ever, but do not blame that loss on that call, no matter how hard Philly fan is trying to do so this morning. If Philly fan wants to play some blame, there's a lot of blame to go around. Why don't you start with that vaunted defense? for getting lit on fire in the second half. Why don't you start with that vaunted pass rush, which recorded exactly zero sacks on a hobbled Mahomes in this game? Why don't you put some credit on the KC offensive line? Because it earned it. Zero credit to the overrated Eagles pass rush. As Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown said afterwards, quote, zero sacks. Put it on a bleeping T-shirt. Point zero. End of quote. He's right. Put that on a bleeping T-shirt. Put this on a bleeping T-shirt, too. The Chiefs are not going anywhere. See, so y'all can quit asking Andy Reid about whether or not he's going to walk off on that and retire.
3: Yeah, listen, I, mean, I, I, I look in the mirror and I'm old. Um, I, my, my heart, though, is young. I mean, I still enjoy doing what I'm doing. I got asked that 50 times here. And finally, I just go, whatever, man, you know, whatever. And that's a, that's a good friend. Jay Glazer's a good friend. So, I mean, he, he's probably telling me to get my tail out. I'm too old. But um, I, I'm good with what I'm doing right now.
0: So. I mean, of course, the hell would this guy go anywhere and do anything else for? He's not done. <laughs> Why would he go? He's got the best player in the world in his prime. He's got a team that's set up to stay extremely competitive for years to come. They weren't supposed to do anything this year. And he's still putting on master classes in Super Bowls. Who would walk away from all of that? And he isn't, quote, waddling off into the sunset anytime soon. <laughs> that's my childhood Terry Bradshaw who asked him or say, hey, come waddle over here. TB, that's rich, yo. My man, did you really tell somebody else to waddle? That was my idol, too. (laughs) Come on, man. Anyway, last night was no swan song. Last night was just the latest reminder that it is still Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and their world and the rest of us are living in it and the Chiefs are right there and they're not going anywhere. You can put all of that on a bleeping T-shirt. It's the morning after. I'm assuming there's already a Chiefs World T-shirt That wasn't a whole t-shirt and a zero sacks t-shirt. And if they don't all exist, first of all, I know they do. You know how I know? Ask my man, rich in copyright hills. Trademarks be damned. That guy can whip up a t-shirt and rip a profit before the Chiefs can even make it back to KC. My man was probably already selling those shirts out of the back of his whatever he's driving before they even made it to their charter flight. Hell, before they even made it to the clubs. Hell, before they even made it to the locker room. Hell, before they even made it off the field. Rich and Copyright Hills was already dealing the merch out of the back of his car. Ross Tucker football podcast all around renaissance man today we have him via zoom my man Ross how you feeling the day after
1: Jim, fantastic. Always good to talk with you. Good to see you for those 20 to 25 seconds on Radio <laughs> Row. That was amazing.
0: Dude, we had a great blow-by, didn't we? That's how this I, – I knew already. Like, I knew you were in your break. You probably had 70 seconds, had to hit the restroom or do what you had to do. Like, I know that look. I know that energy.
1: Real, real ones, no. I was in between hits. I, I didn't have time. Uh, we'll talk some other time. You know the deal.
0: I get it, dude. I see you working. I feel you. It was it was 20 of the better seconds of the whole week, though. It's great to see you. All right, so, Ross, hate to bring up the ref show yet again, but they did insert themselves into the game yet again. In your mind, that defensive holding calling James Bradbury late, it effectively ended the game, but did it cost Philly the game? I'm going to say no. Where do you come out?
1: No, I don't think it cost the Eagles the game at all. I I will say it was very disappointing on multiple levels. I mean, number one, Jim, nobody talks during the week. You know it would be really cool? If there was a game-clinching holding penalty. (laughs) I mean, nobody's looking for a game-clinching holding penalty, which is essentially what that was. And you make a good point. Listen, even if they don't throw that flag, the Chiefs kick a field goal. It's 38-35. And the Eagles have the ball with like a minute and a half left. So who knows what would have happened after that? Maybe Hertz goes down, they score a touchdown, they win. Maybe they go get a field goal and we go to overtime. Maybe they go get a field goal and then Mahomes has 28 seconds left and he does Mahomes stuff and the Chiefs kick a field goal. I think I, we all just wanted to see how the rest of it would play out rather than a penalty. And then the Chiefs can basically just kneel the ball down. And the thing that bothers me about it. It's probably twofold, Jim. Number one, just calling that in that part of the game. But the bigger issue to me is if you're watching the whole game like most of us did, there was a play in the first half. And it was the same two guys. It was Bradbury covering Juju. It was an in-breaking route by Juju. And I thought on that one, Bradbury gave him a pretty decent tug and that that was what caused The incompletion, I agree with Greg Olson on both of them, to be honest. The first one I thought was a penalty. The second one I thought wasn't. But here's the thing. You're taught as players to play to how the officials are calling it, right? And I remember being in meetings in the playoffs with the Patriots and Belichick said, listen, you guys know the deal. It's the playoff. They're going to let you play a little bit more. So the DBs would be a little bit more handsy. The offensive linemen, we knew we could be a little bit more aggressive. The problem I have, Jim, if you don't call the more egregious error in the first half, then they don't think you're going to call it with less than two minutes left and players play how the game is being officiated, They kind of set a precedent of letting the guys play, and then they went back on that precedent with less than two minutes left.
0: It's such a good point you make. It is such a good point. And you wonder what's going through the mind of the official that throws that flag. Interesting that Bradbury said afterwards, yes, it was the correct call. I was hoping they let it slide, but it was the correct call. But I agree with everything you just said. Ross Tucker joining us. You know, Ross, obviously we're talking about two different games within one game, right? The Eagles up by 10 at halftime. They look like they might blow Casey out only to have the Chiefs score on all four second-half possessions and flip the table completely what were the biggest adjustments that Kansas City made in the second half in your mind?
1: Right. And by the way, before I forget on the Bradbury point, kudos to him. Right. Exactly. You know, you're always taught that as a player growing up, don't blame the refs. Don't want to come down to the refs, right? Like don't even, don't even grab Juju enough where the refs could call it. And that's not why they lost. They lost because of the fumble return for a touchdown. They lost because of the punt return basically for a touchdown And to your question, the second half, they did not dominate up front on both sides of the ball like they needed to. I mean, you know, I thought the Eagles were clearly better up front. I'm not really sure they were in this game, Jim. I I mean, the Chiefs rushed the ball for more yards than the Eagles, and Hurts had over 70 yards rushing himself. They weren't able to get a sack of Mahomes. The Eagles didn't dominate the way they needed to up front. And I thought what happened in the second half is it seemed to me like the Eagles played more zone, possibly because of the footing or lack thereof. Mahomes just picked them apart. I think my issue too, Jim, is that if you're the Eagles, okay, and you're going to allow them to run the ball on you a little bit, which the Eagles did, you can't let Mahomes complete every pass too. You know what I mean? Like pick one or the other. If if you're going to stuff the run, then maybe you'll give up some stuff in the past. But if you're going to let them run the ball very effectively like they did, you can't also let them complete almost every pass. And as good as Mahomes is, he only scored 27 at home against Jacksonville, only scored 23 at home against Cincinnati. You can't let them put that many points up on you in the Super Bowl.
0: Ross Tucker joining us. You know, Ross, to your point, that's all we talked about all week long, right? That Philadelphia was better up front, that Philadelphia was going to dominate up front. I understand why that was a talking point, but that's not what happened, to your point. But I want to ask you this. I mean, why don't we put a little respect on that Casey offensive line, right? They did an amazing job. What did you see? As somebody who played the line, what did you see and how were they able to neutralize Philly's great pass rush?
1: Well, so two things really important here, Jim. Number one, they did an awesome job. Kudos to the Chiefs O-line. The interior trio is really good, and the tackles played much better than I thought. However, and this is the same for both teams, so it's not an excuse. Jim, that's the worst field I've ever seen. Agreed. For a big game that I can remember. I mean, I've never seen guys falling all over the place. I was watching the end zone copy this morning just to prep for stuff. Guys are falling all over the place. And what I can tell you as a former offensive lineman, that's good. Like, you know, it's really hard to get a sack or to get pressure on the quarterback if you don't get a great jump off the snap. If your get-off is not good, it just makes it so hard. None of the D linemen for either team get off the snap. And even when it looked like for the Eagles, Sweat and Reddick were getting the edge, When they tried to bend and turn that corner, they lost their footing. So really that ends up becoming an advantage for both offenses. Because even the receivers, when they go out for their routes, they know where they're going. The DBs don't. So they have to react to it. It's tougher for them from a footing standpoint. So I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing it was obviously just a terrible, terrible field and an embarrassment for the NFL. But maybe they also figured out that Bad footing equals more points, more offense, and we got 3835 out of it.
0: Mm. What's better than watching the NBA action? Being a part of it with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, you can tap into all the excitement with the click of a button. New customers can place five bucks on any pregame moneyline bet and get 150 bucks in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, All new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NBA winnings with each leg that you add up to 100%. Same-game parlay is so fun, and it's a good way to get paid. So download the app right now. Sign up with the code Rome, R-O-M-E. New customers can place 5 bucks on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Rome, R-O-M-E. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. You know, it's kind of like, Ross, in perfect conditions and perfect weather, it's almost like they played on a snowfield, right? Where it neutralized what guys can do. Yet everything was perfect, and it was the grass. Talking to Ross Tucker, another master class from him. Hey, Ross, sidebar really quickly. You tweeted something I thought was interesting. This is off-topic altogether. You ever see a team get hammered the way the Niners did and talk more junk about it after it happened? And I don't mean the day of or the day after, but, like, the entire week.
1: It was all week. It was all – I mean, Robbie Gold is out here saying, <laughs> uh, you got to make Jalen Hurts play quarterback. How'd that go, Robbie. I mean, my eyes aren't real good. My glasses aren't real good. He looked pretty good to me. Jalen Hurts was unbelievable. I mean, Debo Samuel's out here saying James Bradbury's trash. I've just never seen anything like it. I mean, guys, you kind of got smoked. You lost by 20-some points. Oh, but our quarterbacks got hurt. Yeah, because the Eagles hurt them. The Eagles forced those injuries. They caused the injuries. They killed your quarterbacks. These weren't like fluke injuries. These were, you couldn't block them, and so they killed your quarterbacks. I'm just amazed. I mean, look, I don't blame those guys at all, Jim, for going to Radio Row, making money. Hey, go for it. Knock yourself out. But to talk trash like you're the team that won when you just got your butts whipped... I mean, ridiculous. You get the nerds reference right there, by the way, John Goodman. Epic, epic.
0: Salty much, right, fellas? Hey, listen, Ross, I mentioned (laughs) at the very top you are, in fact, a renaissance man. I have a question for you. We are a day out from Valentine's Day, and what if all of a sudden somebody like, Oh, no, I forgot, and they haven't bought a gift yet for their significant other. What should they do at the last second? What are their options? So, Jim, I'm so glad you asked me this because
1: I think I've decided that this might actually be better than the people that bought a story for their loved one from My Front Page Story two weeks ago. Here's the deal. Go to MyFrontPageStory.com. Order an unbelievable newspaper cover keepsake story framed for your loved one today. Print out the order form. Put it in an envelope. Tomorrow on Valentine's Day, hand it to your wife or whoever. And say, babe, um, I want to do something special for you this year. So I'm, I I contacted an author. Say author. That even says sounds better. Say, say author. Contact an author who's finishing up writing the story on you now. We'll get it soon. I mean, first of all, your wife will be blown away that you, like, commissioned some writer or some author to write a story about her. Secondly, Jim, can you even imagine the anticipation? I mean, think about it. Most of your wives, your girlfriends, whatever, they've never had anything written about them. So first of all, she'll think it's the most romantic gift she's ever gotten, but then tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, the anticipation of waiting to see what this person wrote about them, that might be better than you actually just giving them the unbelievable story tomorrow. The waiting, every day, checking the mail, is FedEx here or whatever, and then ripping it open to see what you or your kids or whoever said about her, that's even better. People should now not order it three weeks ahead. Everybody should order it the day before or the day of and use the Ross Tucker method at myfrontpagestory.com.
0: I was going to say, Ross, they'll be posted up in the mailbox. Never has neglect been so smart. This is exactly how they should play it. Ross Tucker and Definitely do that. It's an amazing gift. It's a beautiful product. It always works. How do I know? The clones always crash the site whenever we talk about it. So it's okay. It's okay if you forgot. Some of you probably didn't even think about tomorrow being Valentine's Day until we just talked about it, but you're good. You're covered. Ross, one more time where do they go to get this amazing product?
1: Yeah, it's myfrontpagestory.com. It is by far the best Valentine's Day gift. If you've already gotten something for Valentine's Day, and it's the best Mother's Day gift or Father's Day or anniversary or whatever. Really appreciate you Let me put it out there, Jim. My buddy started the company. It's growing and you're a big part of it. Your audience is ridiculous. I love them myfrontpagestory.com.
0: Hey, Ross, my feeling is I'm glad that we could help out in any way we can because you always do an amazing job of helping me out with my product and my audience as well. Former NFLer, he's an analyst for everybody. He's got his own podcast, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Ross Tucker, the day after the game. Ross, appreciate you so much. Great seeing you for 20 seconds on the road. We'll do it again soon.
1: Absolutely. And one real quick thing, Jim, just so everybody knows, Jim's not getting money for this. Jim doesn't have equity in the company. He's just that cool of a guy. He's just that good of a friend.
0: Jim, you're the man. Thank you. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clear View bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? John in Philly. John, normally I would say, what's up, man? How you doing? But I think I already know. Good to uh, have you on, Jim, John. What's low, on your mind? Low, low,
3: low, Jim. So low. So I hear low. You. I hear you. Dude, busted nose thanks to the Phillies, right? Now I get a gut punch from the Eagles. All right? It's like, what? what I can't even breathe, okay? So let's put this script to rest, Jim. I've heard it from you. You nail all these points. Did anybody see the energy that the Kansas City Chiefs were hitting our boys with on the first couple plays? They came out like hornets, and now Philadelphia is like a hornet's nest got hit by rocks. They're they're buzzing about the coordinators. Oh, they were looking for jobs. Everybody's all bent out of shape. Jim, what fan base booed Santa and booed the Walter Payton recipient? Are you kidding me? I know it was Dak, all right? But you see him mouth it when he's on the screen, Philly fan. Yep, that was Philly fan. Thanks, guys. It's kind of like Ritz sitting there dreaming about his next buffet. Come on. I'm serious. Like, what do you do with all this energy? And now I got nowhere to go with it. Nothing was scripted. We didn't play. We didn't show up in the second half. Give me a break. We Um, can't go from one thing to another without understanding, you got to focus on the moment. Adjust at halftime. And and are you telling me that uh, nothing happened to his ankle in there? This guy is Superman. It's insane. Jim, thanks for the Vine Man. I'm out.
0: My man, I appreciate you so much, John. Rack him. It's always good to come home. No matter where you go, it's always good to come back home. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't a great, great time on the row because it actually was one of my favorite row weeks ever. And I said it a few times during the show last week. I don't know if you heard it or not. I was trying to think of how many times I had done that. And I couldn't pinpoint the exact number. But there's no doubt the over-under on it was 25. I've done that at least 25 times. At least 25 times. I'm going to say that was one of the more challenging times. And there have been times, for instance... A lot of years, in fact, when remember back in the day, I would double dip for most of my career. In fact, I would double dip. I would do the radio show and then I would leave and go to another set and do a different TV show before the radio show became a TV show. So there were times on the road where we would do that, where I'd be on radio row and then get in a car and drive to another facility to execute a TV show. So those were always really challenging weeks. I would say this past week was one of the more challenging weeks even without that second TV show. You know, Because part of the reason for that is we've replaced the TV show in a lot of ways with podcasts. And don't kid yourselves. Unlike Marshall over there in the corner, those podcasts are work. They actually are work. And then we're just set up differently now than we used to be. So what I'm saying is I'm really proud of the week we just had. Like, don't get it twisted. We always work hard. You know my drill. You know our drill. It is a work trip, not a pleasure trip. This time, though, I literally did not leave my hotel room once. Not even once. Normally on Radio Row or the week of Radio Row, I'll go as hard as I can until we get to Wednesday, generally Thursday, and I'll pick that one night. And then back in the day, we used to take the crew out for that one night. Every single year, my guy Feldman... Who I was hyping up, my longtime attorney, David Feldman. Understand, David Feldman is the only attorney I've ever had in my entire career. We're best friends. He comes in every year, kind of oblivious to my schedule, like Romy, what's up, my man? Let's have dinner. And he's always set up for it. So I try and mix that in. But this was the rare year. Like my guy, KTK, was not on the road this year, he had business. Feldman came in. We just had so much to do. I did not leave the room. I told you before I went there, I was going to be a Super Bowl monk. And that's exactly what I did. I did not leave the room once except to go to the set. I was either on the stage, in the big chair, doing the show, or I was in my hotel room knocking out the prep. Those are the two spots where I spent the entire week. Didn't hit the gym once. Usually also a staple of the row because that's what keeps you sane. So I was doing like weightless body work in the room. Contrary to what Justin Fields might say. Anyway, it was worth it because the shows were great. The energy was great. The guests were great. The crew was great. It looked awesome. It sounded awesome. It felt awesome. There were a lot of dubs that we stacked if you missed any of it last week, you can find every single interview at jimrome.com. You can watch back selected interviews on our YouTube channel. Did you know we have a YouTube channel? If not, you should be subscribed to it. If you're not already, it's at Jim Rome Show on YouTube. There's new content up there every single day. Partly my fault for not hyping that more often, but that's where you can find things like. Joe Montana talking bacon 45 retirement or Justin Jefferson clowning this notion that the NFL is scripted or Sean Payton shouting out the mighty 690 back in the day or you can just sit back right now and listen to a special Monday edition of Alvin's week that was aka the week on the row that was. Welcome to the program. I'm Jim Roman. That is Drew. It is the mother of all weeks. Radio Row, once again, we're coming to you live from Arizona. Super Bowl 57. It is awesome to be here. Solomon Wilcox is back on the program. I saw you wearing a crown in that open there, and that was cool. Because I'm the king, man. You are.
1: Thank
3: you for respecting the opening (laughs) animation. I have this saying don't let the old man in because he knocks. Every damn day, he wants you to take a day off. He wants you to uh, eat Doritos on the couch. Well, damn, he ain't coming in this door. Dude, if you keep raising
0: that bar to what that picture is, where do you go next? <laughs> I mean, you gotta get full nude, right? Porn? I mean, where- <laughs> Chatsworth? <laughs> Van Eyes. Where do you go next, man? Brady, I mean, he's single. Lovello, your telephone number still has an 818 number to it. Dude, yeah. don't ever change that. Never. There's no way I'm changing that. I am so proud that. of where I came from. Kenny Dillingham is my guest. Just gotta finish my cup of coffee, so I'm good. i on, on cup 4 on four four. Yeah. At a boy. So when do you cut it off? It depends on the day. Twirl! Are you in shock sharing a hotel room and does he sleep hanging upside down in the closet? Do you? I sleep hanging upside down in my own room. room. We are not sharing a room. I really don't care what you do in your room but just so they know you and I are not sharing a room. That's all accurate. Mark is joining me here. It's all good for Lamar. I mean can you imagine him in
2: another uniform? No I can't. You know he's a He's a raven, you know, he's a raven for life.
0: Because, for life.
1: you know, I love leather helmets, but I'm not sure that, you know, high school kids <laughs> love leather helmets. You know, they want the
0: interactive, the technology. <laughs> Lee Evans joining me. (laughs) You're pretty good at dealing with trolls, right? I I like
1: to have fun with it. I mean, you know, nobody's really going to get me uh, moving too much. No see you in Temecula? I love the people that try to get Twitter tough. I mean, that's just hilarious to me.
0: (laughs) I mean, you had to earn everything. Nothing was given to you. Where was your separation? Yeah, my biggest strength was my self-awareness. I knew what
1: it was going to take to get into the league. I knew that I wasn't the most talented.
0: Trevor Lawrence, when you name-checked our dude Jocko recently.
1: It goes back to Coach Sweeney. But Coach Peterson brought it back this year.
0: Kind of refreshed it for me. Jocko. Tired. Garrett Wilson, have you targeted your next piece? I kind of got an idea. I, I love Rolex, so and the one you got on, by the way, those Skydweller. Yeah, that Skydweller is sweet. You see this watch? You don't see those as often. Yeah, those those are for sale, clean. bro. Make me an offer. Make me an offer. <laughs> that watch costs more than your car. Of course, I'm talking about Joe Montana. Joe, what's up? How are you? Good. I can say, old man, because I'm older than you. <laughs> yeah, man. Good. Finally, finally, I found somebody who is. That's always, always good to see you. Jamal Williams is my guest. Is it too late for me to be a nerd? Never. Or a geek? Never. Have it in me, Yes. Just let your child back out. Ooh. What's old to you? What's old?
4: Anybody older than me, then
0: you old. Grandpa, for sure. Dude, I'm, old I not, used... I'm old enough to be your grandfather,
4: dude. For real? You yeah. yeah. you barely have gray hair though. You working on
0: it? He is Alec Ingold.
4: Christmas Day, we're playing the Packers, hometown team. I'm gonna break a thumb. My whole family's there. We're trying to open presents.
0: It's so I can't. I'm in a sling. And then we play. The, we just clubbed it up the rest of the year and, and let it rip. Bobby Okereke is my guest.
4: I mean, I just treated it like my film is my resume. You know, we're down 40, whatever. Every play that I have is
1: gonna be evaluated.
0: Ceedee Lambs. C.D. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? So when you sweat, bro, you
1: Bruh. never have to worry about you know being musty or kind of reeking around anybody. You need the real. Only the real survive. Stank, my guy Tim Brown. You have Paul Horning. Tony Dorsett, myself, Barry Sanders, Charles Woodson. I'm missing one guy. By the initials of O.J. Good. Justin Fields.
4: It's a lot of great products that they have. Depending on what you're doing, I don't know if you work out much, but you know you, you of course you don't you're know the. You if I look at, look,
1: <laughs>
0: look at you, dude? You don't yeah, I mean you I'm look like, good for sure, and I like the pants. I'll tell you what's not a pick me up. You looking at me and going, "Hey, man, I don't know if you work out." or anything. Hey, I don't know. I mean, you know, you're, you look like more of a cardio guy to me. Justin Jefferson, already a three-time Pro Bowler. What did you think when you read the script this year? Man,
4: i seen all the triple teams and double teams they had playing for me. I
0: still got to get 1,800. Stu, what's up, dude? I'll just be walking by and somebody will say, chew it! Somebody in the business, <laughs> he always say
4: that.
3: Chew it! You know. Yvonne, Yvonne, just a couple, please! Just They'll the just yell clarity. that out. It's good. out. Good. We're still 20,
0: 20 years later. It's Josh Jacobs. Man, I got it tatted on me, man. Huh. I think I'm going to be a writer for life, for and life.
4: I know some people say that, but i I I really mean it. I just feel like I'm a part of the family now, man.
0: What is your beef? Fake people. Stop being fake. What's your beef? Caltrans. They can't fix... Freaking pothole! What is your beef?
2: You wrong a shortened segment with that stud Josh Jacobs just so you can slot in that mole-faced, wasting sherbet. Aiden
0: Hutchinson, I've got a couple of minutes with him. hope to be here. It's a good little setup we got. You saying that for real, you mean that, or you just saying that? I mean it. I mean it. <laughs> I, I mean it. I'm having fun. Aaron for Jones, reason. are you at all fearful that maybe you've already played your last game with Aaron? For some reason, no. I I feel like he'll be back.
1: I think he wants to go out on his own. He wants his like his own flowers. He doesn't want to share it with Tom Brady. Sean Payton joining us. We had the second pick of the draft. We were looking at Cutler, Liner, and Vince Young. And then Breeze became available. But if there's an owner walking in saying, well, I want to draft Johnny Manziel, then Johnny and that's a bad
0: face. job.
2: Ice up, son. You
0: blew past the stop sign. I yeah. wonder how many cats? Two. What kind? All right, so once a ragdoll. These cats sell for three to four ma- Grant.
2: I
4: didn't
0: picture you as a cat guy. Have you
4: tried poutine, by the way? Got the fries with the gravy and the cheese. Look, look, look. look. he's like,
0: yeah. He won one Did mom have a pop with Harry Carey? Yeah, a rum and coke. Appreciate Love you, are Buckeyes everywhere. Don't let the old man in. What did I say about the compliment? Don't piss anybody else off, David Feldman. <laughs> All right, dude. Get the hell off my set, bro. I'm with you, Ed. I'm riding with the Chiefs. Good night now! I mean, wow. That I thought the row was great last week. When I heard that back, it was even better than I thought. There were probably a half dozen things that when I heard it, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to respond to that thing when I come out of that. And then it went on to something else, and then I forgot. The last thing that I remember of that that I just heard that I wanted to respond to, that unsolicited drive-by from Sean Payton on Johnny Manziel. I was like, whoa. He was talking about, like, if I'm going to get a job, like when we were looking at quarterbacks, we were looking at Vince Young, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm with an owner saying, yeah, how about Johnny Manziel? That's what I want. That's not a good job.
1: But if there's an owner walking in saying, I want to draft – Johnny Manziel, then, then that's a bad job.
0: Incredible. If there's an owner who walks in and says, I want to draft Johnny Manziel, then that's a bad job. That is an incredible drive-by. Unsolicited. The only thing better would have been if he called him Johnny Idiot Face. And what's the iron- irony in that? Jerry Jones wanted him, right? Right. And wasn't the assumption all along that Sean Payton would end up in Dallas with Jarrah? That was incredible. There were so many amazing moments in that. Great job, Alvy. Mostly great job to me for giving you all those great moments. But only you can put it together like that, Alvy. Sean Payton with that Johnny Manziel drive-by was one of my favorites. Almost to a person, the entire staff all hit me at the same time with, Dude! You see how he just did Manzel? I'm like, yes. I was sitting right next to him when he said it. I heard. Vincent Goodwill is my guest. Vince, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing good, Jim. How are you? Great, great. Good to have you back. Thank you very much. All right, so let me backtrack. Some of this stuff you've already been on, but we haven't covered it on the program, so if you can indulge me. Let me start with the Lakers and Russell Westbrook. In the end, Vince, it did not work out at all. Did you ever think that it was going to work even when they acquired him?
4: I didn't think it would work out to the tune of a championship. But I did think in a way I I could see the logic in LeBron campaigning for Russell Westbrook, at least in this way. Russell Westbrook, if nothing else, was a productive basketball player. Even if you thought the triple-doubles were a little bit hollow, you could see him being a system within himself that you could build a team around and be able to have role players and guys sort of filling in spots, right? That's easy to do when you consider LeBron was going to miss time and Anthony Davis was going to miss time with injury. You wouldn't be completely asked out, right? But what happened was Russell Westbrook never found his mojo being a supporting player in LeBron James's world. And there's only a few players that can actually go from a superstar role to a superstar role player playing next to LeBron. That's the beauty in... In the curse of LeBron, everybody turns into a role player in a way. He accentuates what you do best and kind of hides your flaws. If you're, if you're a low-end role player, that's great. If you're a star player, you have to shrink yourself to make yourself work in his system. And that didn't work for Russell Westbrook, along with all the other declines in his game that was going to happen because he was in year 13 or 14, things that we weren't going to see in Washington and some of these other places. And it just didn't work. But it was a swing that I completely understood. But sometimes, Jim, you also have to have the foresight as an organization to tell your player no, or at least to say, hey, Russ, can, I mean, hey, LeBron, can you trust me on this as far as us making a better move besides going and getting the next superstar?
0: We're talking to Vincent Goodwill, you know, some really interesting stuff in that response. So, Vince, for instance, it didn't work with him, a superstar, who's in decline playing next to LeBron. However, now that he moves on, Does Russ know, and I'm not being flip when I ask you this, does Russ know that he's in decline? I mean, is he self-aware enough to know that he's not nearly what he once was? Is he, in fact, near the end of the line?
4: I think one of the things that we all kind of miss, just in general with media, and this is not a shot at anybody, but athletes have to be completely unrealistic to become superstars. Like Patrick Mahomes was throwing a whole bunch of interceptions at Texas Tech, but had to believe and have all that confidence that he was going to be what he is because the odds tell you that you're not going to be a star. The odds told Russell Westbrook when he was at UCLA lowly recruited, that he was not going to be a star. And he basically had to buck everything to become the star that he was. So in his mind, being unrealistic is a part of his makeup and accepting that you're on decline would be similar to accepting that you were never going to become a superstar in the first place. And having that self-awareness is something that superstars in decline recognize last other people around you recognize it first. You feel like you can do it on call or on occasion. And when you do it on occasion, you feel like that next hit is around the corner, but that next hit isn't around the corner. And for Russ, I don't know what if his skill set is conducive to being a productive role player doing it in bits and spurts. I'm not saying he's going to be Allen Iverson where, you know, the ending was really painful and really ugly, but this is a point of self-reflection for us where he can say, okay, it didn't work for L.A. in L.A. for reasons in and out of my control. Where do I go from here, and can I accept that I'm not the athlete that I was and become a more cerebral ball player that helps younger guys out that can be sort of, you know, not even necessarily a mentor that's not playing, but play a different type of basketball game that all older players kind of have to accept once they get to year 13, 14, 15.
0: Right, like they're usually the last ones to know or if they know, they kind of suppress it and they don't want to know or they don't want to own it. I'm not saying that he's not capable of that kind of self-reflection or that kind of soul-searching. I'm saying that it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not he is capable of it. Vincent Goodwill is joining us right now. So Vince, jumping around a little bit, what was your reaction to Phoenix taking that big swing to get KD and are they now the ones to be? in the west
4: <laughs> hey Jim I'll tell you this much Phoenix is th- their their championship window open and close with Chris Paul right a guy who will, who will be 38 in May a guy who gets hurt a lot and a guy that we saw run out of gas last last May against Dallas now they've brought in a guy who could very well still be the baddest man on the planet do not let the Kyrie Irving experience fool you This dude is still certified, right? Whether he's the best player in the league or not, he's in that top tier of conversation with Jokic, with Giannis, with Steph, with whomever you want to put in the the top five. He's still there. If you have a top five player and you're not in championship contention, that is franchise malpractice. That was the Brooklyn Nets. That is not the Phoenix Suns. Do they have holes that they need to kind of work in because of all the pieces that they gave up with the wing defenders and all that? Absolutely. It's no small feat. But when you have a chance to trade for Kevin Durant, who's still very, very close to the top of his prime, you absolutely do it. And if I'm the Western Conference, I am scared, you know what list, about what the playoffs are going to look like.
0: Especially because you can't get a guy like that. Guys like that are not tradable. He's got three years left on his contract after this. You absolutely do that. Big swing. Love the deal. What about the Kyrie deal? What was your reaction to the Mavericks ending up a Kyrie? And how has he looked to you so far?
4: Well, I think Mark Cuban has been looking for a supplemental star ever since Steve Nash left Dallas in two thousand and four. Like Jim, as a trivia for you, though the, the Dallas's lone All Star after Steve Nash left that was not named Dirk Nowitzki or Luka Doncic was Josh Howard in two thousand and six. I want to say maybe two thousand and seven. Remember how long ago that was? That's how long Cuban has been searching for a second star now. Kyrie Irving is not anyone's ideal second star with some of the things that are around him that you have to ask yourself a whole lot of questions on. And people will say, well, Kyrie's going to be on his best behavior because he's playing for a contract. But Kyrie Irving also has to be on his best behavior in November when he put out Hebrews to Negroes or whatever that video was on Amazon. The same things apply here. Now, is Kyrie spellbinding? Is he absolutely wonderful and box office to watch and play on a nightly basis? Absolutely. The question is, how does he fit in an atmosphere of winning? And does Dallas have enough supplemental pieces, defensive guys, that can sort of cover up the weaknesses of Luka and Kyrie to make it work? That's the question that we have. I don't have any questions, Jim, on whether Kyrie's going to be productive. I have questions on whether it's going to be enough for Dallas to get to the Western Conference Finals at the very least, because that's where they were. They don't want to take a step back. I'm just not sure if they have the pieces for it. But if you're Mark Cuban and you've been begging for a second star for years, you probably make that deal.
0: Vincent Goodwill joining us. You know, it's interesting, right? Like, you're right. They've been looking for that second star for years. I'm sure Luke himself... Although, I don't know how forceful he'd be in saying it, certainly not publicly. You know he wants help. He wants that second star. And I understand that it's not so easy to find a second star, to your point, Howard, 6 07. But this particular second star, from a basketball standpoint, and defensively, as you point out, Vince, there are questions. How do you like that fit between Luka and Kyrie?
4: Well, I think the, the two biggest archetypes that people will say, not necessarily me, because I think Luka was more of like a souped-up Jason Kidd. You put Jason Kidd on steroids, which is funny because that's his coach. But people think that Luka compares to LeBron James in terms of style. LeBron and James Harden, two guys that Kyrie played with to varying degrees of results, right? Now, it worked with James Harden because James Harden could do all the facilitating and Kyrie could be a scorer. Is Luka going to be comfortable being more facilitating? Is he going to be comfortable playing off the ball? I think Kyrie is who he is. He's not really going to change the type of the style that he plays, the effect that he has on the game. You know whether he does or doesn't play defense. He's going to be exactly who he is. He's going to be 27, maybe five or six assists. He's going to be really, really efficient and and give you a whole lot of highlights. Luca's the question mark here. Is he going to give Kyrie as a second star or any other second star in the future? However long he plays, wherever he plays. Is Luca going to be the guy that says, you know what, not only would I give up the ball, but will I make life easier for the second star? Will I not just stand in the corner while this guy cooks? Can I help him be the best version of himself? And with some guys, they don't know how to act when they don't have the ball. They don't know how to act when they're not the primary option or the guy actually making the play. Sometimes you can be selfish as hell with a lot of assists, and it just doesn't play out that way. So I'm very curious to see – how these two work, or very more so curious, Jim, how Luka tries to make life easier for Kyrie Irving, if that's even possible.
0: Yeah, essentially, Vince, that was my question. You know, two alphas, two dudes. I mean, two dudes and one basketball. So, Vince, you mentioned LeBron, and... I don't, I don't want to be that guy to get caught up in you know crap like this, but I'll be that guy. Since we couldn't get to it last week, what was your read quote on Anthony Davis's body language when Braun broke the all-time scoring record? Was there anything in that? What was your interpretation?
4: Well, Jim, I wasn't born yesterday, but I stayed up all night. Okay, so when I, hear <laughs> I like that, dude. I like that. When I hear the explanations from Anthony Davis and Darvin Ham, let's let's play detective here. All right. Darvin Ham said in the pregame of Thursday night's game, which I was out I was there Tuesday night and I was there Thursday night. And Darvin Ham said, whatever's being reported about Anthony Davis, all I'll say is it is false. And that was the narrative around Anthony Davis being jealous of LeBron and not being into it and not being into the celebration. Okay, fine. Take that as his word. Let's go to point two. Anthony Davis after the game said, I was upset that we were losing. Now, Jim, it was the third quarter. You're down five, not 15. A five-point lead in the NBA is a possession and a half. You can easily come back from that. And if that was the case, if we're taking Anthony Davis at his complete and sincere word, and he's upset about them losing, why wouldn't Darvin Ham just come out and say that? Where's the harm in Darvin saying Anthony was frustrated, he wanted to win, he was upset that we were behind, and that was the problem. That would make him look admirable in his coach's eyes and in the eyes of the public, a guy that literally wants to win so much so that he's not paying any attention to any other ancillary issues going on. I'm not saying anyone is lying. I'm simply saying that there seems to be more to this story than anybody is willing to admit based off the answers that they were given.
0: Vince, I wasn't there. I haven't talked to either one of them or any of the principals, But just logically and reasonably, do you really, and I'm not saying this in response to what you're saying, I'm just saying this generally, does anybody really supposed to believe that that guy was that upset that they were down four or five in the third quarter of a historic moment? I mean, who's buying that?
4: It's a, a, put it like this. It would seem to be, I will say this, and this was the most interesting thing about that night to me because when you're in the arena, you can't watch the broadcast. But I remember seeing it on Twitter that LeBron walked up to Anthony Davis. It was like one of those TNTs mic'd up, and he walked up to Anthony Davis and he said, you know, I love you, man. I, I really do love you. And I thought that was really odd to just say that, not as an expression of love or anything like that, or masculinity, but just the timing of it. Like what was happening around that, before that, or after that, that would cause LeBron to say that in the aftermath or previously of that moment. I think there's a little bit more going on than just, that level of frustration. I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like there's more going on. And to be honest, Jim, there's always something going on, you know, in L.A., there's always something going on here. If Anthony Davis is a guy who wants to win, then, you know, that might track because of, of the way that he plays Saturday night, where he did not shoot well, but he put a lid on that basket for Golden State. And he played with a sort of level of defensive force that maybe he's upset everybody else over there isn't playing with.
0: You know, Vince, you're right. I think that for LeBron in that moment, in that context, to say, yo, man, I love you. I love you. It may or may not be true, but it was precipitated by something. Like, I don't know what it was, but for him to say that in that moment, something had to have happened prior or something ongoing had to have been happening. One last thought, Vince, when you say there's always something in LA, number one, yes. Again, you're not wrong. I'm an L.A. native. There is always something in L.A. That's one reason why I love L.A. But in that particular context, do you mean there's always something in L.A. because L.A.? There's always something in L.A. because LeBron. There's always something in L.A. because A.D. or all the above? What do you mean?
4: All of the above. Yep. I mean, and I think LeBron is in his own orbit, right? Drama follows LeBron wherever he goes, whether it's manufactured by him or the media, right? Sometimes we can make, as a, I'm using media as a pejorative. Sometimes we can be make too much out of something that's nothing. Sometimes LeBron can start his own mini-controversies, which, you know, when you ask him about Kyrie Irving, when you ask him about wanting to play with Anthony Davis – He's been known to sort of, you know, start a pot a little bit. So, and then the fact that the Lakers are the Lakers—it's the franchise of the late Kobe Bryant, the franchise of "I'm not going to be here," Magic Johnson. Like this is this is what they are. So, when you bring all these brands together, and it's Anthony Davis, a guy we've been waiting on to turn into Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett for about four or five years now. So, it, when you add all those things together, and it's like a big pot of jambalaya in L.A., it's always going to be something. But it's honest, honestly, Jim. We all love it. The NBA is not better when it's boring. The NBA is better when it's compelling. And at least if the Lakers are going to be bad, at least be compelling.
0: Dude, let me tell you something. This stuff that we're talking about right now, you and I, is better than the on-the-floor product. I love it. I'm not talking. I will not talk anybody out of any of this. I love it. Hey, Vince, not to be greedy, but as always, you're killing it. So one final thought. Would you, and a question, would you entrust the franchise, be it the Lakers or any other, to A D, would you be comfortable handing the keys to him and saying, You're the guy, you're the face of our franchise, you get you get us to where we're trying to go?
4: From a talent standpoint, yes. From an availability standpoint, no. Like Anthony Davis is literally if Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett had a baby from a skill standpoint, he is literally what the NBA should look like, except he came into the league three or four years before the NBA looked like it. And I do think that there is a level of talent that, that, that could still be unlocked. But guess what, Jim? We're in year 11 of Anthony Davis. Since when have we ever waited on a player to turn into the upper, upper echelon level of superstar that we have with him? a lot of other players have never gotten that grace a lot of other players have been you know we used to think you were the guy but now we feel like you're a secondary star that when you show up it is extra but can we depend on you night to night basis no so i think anthony davis's track record in his past history take the bubble out of it has shown that he can be a great great player in moments and in spurts but i don't know if he's someone you can depend on for 82 games there's no shot to He was a short kid that got tall. That meant them bones grew a lot differently than the rest of his body, and he's paying the price for it now. But the fact remains: if you're a franchise, you have to take all of those things
0: into account. I lied. Physically, who do you trust more, AD or Zion?
2: Ooh, ooh, Can I take? Can I take C, Jim? Can I? Can I? Can
4: I, can I say? Uh, do it however you Hampton? want. <laughs> uh, I will say Anthony Davis because I think. Zion Williamson has played 114 games in four seasons. I don't know if Anthony Davis has ever had a streak that bad.
0: Vincent Goodwill, NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, host of Sirius XM Radio, and as always, exceptional. Vince, great job, man. Appreciate you. And as always, you make it much better. Thanks for doing that, Vince. Great job. Hey, thank
4: you, Jim. Appreciate you, man.
0: We go to Portland. James, my man, what's going on? Jimmy.
2: Hey, and Albie, this NFL season reminded me of you. It just come and gone. Jim, I heard Rick quit because he didn't get the invite to the Super Bowl. Oh, wait, I forgot Rick was shot in World War I. Also, I'm surprised to see Chalk made it back from the big game. I thought that bloodsucker stepped off the plane and the Arizona Sun hit that chalky white skin and poof, he turned to ashes. And, Jimmy, I loved all the interviews this week. My favorite was with uh, David Tyree when he dropped, oh, yeah, I got seven kids. And Albie was like, <laughs> that's nothing. And someone needs to explain to me how the Arizona Cardinals can spend $2 million or $2 billion on a stadium, but they can only drop two hundred grand on the turf? Maybe go drop $2 million on some Scott's turf builder. That turf was slipperier than Alvin Deloro's bedroom floor on a hump day. War the NFL rep who threw that flag last night to shove that yellow flag right up his jungle back door. Come out!
3: Uh,
0: Alvin, what planet? What, what what are you doing, Alvin? You should have been run three times. No. You don't like Alvin. Straight up. This is not rhetorical. The hell are you doing over there? Good night.